1: Welcome to MLB.com Extras, the Colorado Rockies. I am Allison Footer, and I'm here with my good friend Thomas Harding, covers the Rockies for MLB.com. We have this conversation every week, but Thomas, we have some news out of Rockies camp. So they have fortified their bullpen with a couple of veteran pitchers and Jason Mott and Chad Qualls. So what does that do for the team?
0: Well, the first thing it does is it gives them some experience back there, and they both throw the ball pretty hard. And also, they do some of the things that the Rockies like. They throw first-pitch strikes down in the zone. Um, What you want to have are people who've done this before, people who know what they're doing, know how to do it, and can show other guys how to do it, or show them that it works in a game at Coors Field. I mean, you've got Mott who has led the National League and saves a couple, a few years back. He's back from Tommy John. It looks like all the velocity is back. I think he's a very important piece because Adam Adovino may not be back from his Tommy John surgery until sometime in June or even after the All-Star break. So you really need a guy that knows what he's doing closing games. And I'm really intrigued by the Chad Quall signing. He went to the Houston Astros and was able to help that team kind of jump their timetable, so to speak. Um, and maybe if he came in with the Rockies, they have some talented young arms, he could be one of those guys to show them, hey, you, you, you are big league players and all you have to do is what you do and you can win ball games.
1: So with the Rockies, um, obviously we've talked, I mean, they have um, several areas to address. Um, and, and the one thing that seems to be sort of a constant theme is just um, trying to, to lure free agents and get uh, you know quality veteran guys from the outside to come into the organization The Ashers went through this a couple of years ago where they really had to um, maybe overpay a little bit and give more years, and they wanted to to be able to put guys on the roster. Um, Mott and Qualls, two-year deals for each one, correct? Right.
0: Now, I will say that the history of the Rockies, they've been able to get relief-type pitching um, pretty often in their time, and the, the times that they've done well, the few times that they've gone to the playoffs, the bullpen has been a constant. They've had a bang-up bullpen, either with power young arms or veterans or a mix of both. So with, so they made this move thinking that this could be the way that maybe they could shorten their timetable a bit. You know that they're not going to get that star starting pitcher that's going to get you seven, eight innings in every game. So you need to load up in the bullpen, and that's what they're doing. It's kind of that backward, frontward uh, bullpen building like Kansas City has done. And really the Rockies have done that and tried to do that many times over their lifespan in the major leagues.
1: So and we're in day two of the winter meetings, and there's not a whole lot of news that's coming out of the Rockies camp uh, besides the the two that they signed. But kind of what are you hearing around the organization about how they're going to be proceeding?
0: Well, it's it's an intriguing situation with them because they have some young, pretty good players that are under club control now. Nolan Arenado is not in play to be traded. Let's face it, but. You look at a Corey Dickerson who has four years of club control, and when he's been healthy and on the field the last two years, he's hit over 300 for them. I mean, he's one of the better young hitters in the game today. Uh, Charlie Blackman was a all-star a couple of years ago, and I would say from... Really last year it was a more consistent year for him than it was a couple of years ago. He had that bang up start then really fell off. I thought that over the course of the season he did quite well. He was able to steal 42 bases and um, hit as a leadoff hitter in that lineup. Now there's DJ LeMay here at second base who also has three more years of club control, same with um, same with Blackman. I don't think they're dealing him, but if somebody comes with an offer and they really need a second baseman, maybe those guys are the way that you can get the pitching that you need uh, in in sort of a package deal. You you probably aren't getting that superstar guy that's at the top of his game, but you are getting someone who's really talented. Maybe he's not. Maybe his one loss record hasn't shown, but all the peripherals show well
1: so the offense is not really where they need to be focusing on at this point i mean we know that they're looking at pitching but is there any interest in chris davis
0: you kind of hear his name sort of floating out there i think that's in connection with some of the outfield situations where if say you were to deal a corey dickerson you could take ben paulson who's played quite well at first base move him in the left field then you have a first base hole and you have A guy on the market that hits a whole lot of home runs, and that would be really attractive in Denver. I know the fans, they want to sign this guy right now, but I think the Rockies have to play with the budget a bit. Um, If they are going to spend money somewhere else, do you want to spend it at first base where you have a guy like a Ben Paulson that you believe is going to develop into a good player? So right now they have some options here.
1: So uh, you, I was reading some of your coverage from um, the start of the winter meetings and Walt Weiss was talking about how shifting he's really taken to it um, and that can obviously, I mean, it helps every single team. Some teams just are, do it with every on every single batter and some teams are a little bit more, um, a little bit less liberal, I guess, but where do the Rockies stand on kind of moving forward in that well,
0: respect? Well, they've gone uh, 180 degrees. It was in 2014, they shifted something like 114 times fewest of any team in baseball and last season they shifted um... More than 1,100 times the, the biggest increase of anyone in baseball, and they led the National League. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of information that Walt Weiss wanted to incorporate. He just wasn't sure how, and, and he hadn't really focused focused on it before last season. And what happened in spring training, you started, started seeing them shift on every batter. Um, some of the, and it's funny how that works. Some of the veteran guys weren't crazy about it. I mean, Troy Tulowitzki really wasn't crazy about going to the other side of the infield. And a couple of the pitchers, um, you had John Axford and Troy Hawkins, and they admitted they aren't used to it, but they, but everybody said that as guys do it in the minors, because that information is available, as guys do it in the minors, that's going to become more and more common, and nobody's going to bat an eyelash about it. And that's the thing that they really have to uh, understand. And I think that's where front offices were slow to really get the
1: part where they have to explain this to the players on the field how this works the percentages why why it works more than it doesn't and explain to the pitchers that yes there are going to be times when you put that ball exactly where you want it and they hit it exactly the way you want them to and they're going to hit it exactly the spot that they should and there's going to be a gaping hole because there's not going to be anybody there and that's but but
0: it's going to happen fewer times than when it actually works it's going to happen unbelievably <laughs> fewer times i think there there may be like one or two hitters in the game that consistently can do that I looked at some of the numbers with the shift and actually one of the guys who has been able to hit against the shift or actually away from the shift but also through the shift was Carlos Gonzalez of the Rockies he has a something like a 265 average hitting through a shift which is way out of line with most players most players with the shift uh, their numbers go way down, and, and and there's no doubt about it. I mean, we're in a pitching-dominated era, and why not even enhance that by putting your fielders where they're going to hit the ball? As long as they're hitting it on the ground, one of the problems with the Rockies last year was either they were walking guys or guys were hitting screaming line drives or home runs. There's no shift that'll stop that. As long as they're able to get the ball on the ground when they need to get it on the ground this could make a huge difference, especially a team like the Rockies that plays in a park that rewards hitters anyhow.
1: I mean, doesn't it seem amazing now to look back and think, why did it take this long, 160 years after baseball started to start shifting? I mean, doesn't it make more sense to put the fielders where the balls were hit?
0: Yeah, it does. <laughs> it, 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 it makes an amazing amount of sense. And, but the big, strong power hitters, people shifted on them before. I mean, you can even go back in the pre-video era and people were shifting. You could go to Ted Williams, people shifted against him. What the numbers told people was, where you can really get a lot of outs are the little guys that maybe aren't, aren't big power hitters, a lot of those people will roll over and pull a ground ball. That was the thing that, that sold Walt Weiss on this idea, was, hey, it, we know that we would shift on uh, David Ortiz, but when this little 175-pound guy, if he tends to hit ground balls to the pull side, why not shift on him and not let him have a few hits?